And so we're going to speak just a little while this morning on the historical reality that Jesus Christ went to the cross and on that third day, angels swooped down from the balconies of heaven and rolled the stone away. On that third day, there was a mighty flash of light and a great earthquake. Roman guards fell to the ground and they were trembling. On that third day out of the dark tomb walked Jesus, the light of the world, the Lamb of God, the Lord of glory, the Lion of Judah, hallelujah, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He certainly is heaven's hope and hell's dread. He walked out of the tomb. Death was defeated, hell was incarcerated, and the grave was made empty. And two of the greatest words came out of a cemetery thousands of years ago. And those words are, He lives! He lives! Come on, join in! He lives! He lives! He lives! Woo! And so when Jesus was raised from the dead, He undid everything that Satan had done in Adam. The Bible says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil. The power to destroy, to loose, dissolve the works of the enemy is wrapped up in resurrection power. He has made you a new creation. He has made you the righteousness of God. And he has caused you to be raised up with him and made to sit together with him in heavenly places. You know, Paul prayed a powerful prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 19 through 21, it says, And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe as demonstrated by the working of His mighty strength. Paul said that this demonstration of this power is unlimited. Now in about an hour or so, I'm going to be going down to Jack London Square and I'm going to have me an unlimited buffet at Scott's. I can just say it right now. That I'm happy about it. But right now, we're getting tanked. We're getting filled, hallelujah, with the Holy Ghost and with power. And His power and His greatness is unlimited. It is surpassing and it is immeasurable. Woo! Glory. In verse 20, it says, Which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age, but also in the world which is to come. And thank God, Paul had a revelation of resurrection power. Paul had such a a revelation of resurrection power that when he got it, glory to God, the glory knocked the S out of his name and replaced it with a P. Hallelujah. But this same power is on the inside of you. Say it with me. It's immeasurable. It is surpassing. It is beyond the norm. It is his super coming on my natural, making me a supernatural child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So what I want to do is I want to take the word Easter and I want to look at some principles from that. We're going to do an acrostic on the word Easter. What does Easter mean to you and me? I believe that Easter means absolute and complete freedom. And so the E stands for freedom from empty pursuits. Freedom from empty pursuits. You do not have to go through life wondering what our purpose is. We are here to fulfill divine purpose. 
And all of us can give up our empty pursuits. You see, in the search for significance, many people are pursuing possessions. Many people are are looking for money and looking for things. How many of you know that possessions are a nice feature, but they are a very poor foundation? Jesus said this, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I have never seen a U-Haul following a hearse as of yet. And so other people then are seeking power. They're literally climbing the ladder of success only to, to realize that the ladder is leaning against the wrong building. People are pursuing pleasure. It's all about me. It's all about myself. And it's all about I. Certainly God wants us to have pleasure. But the pleasure that God gives our pleasure that comes from being a child of God and being in the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, it says it gives him good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And as you seek for and as you aim for and as you live your life around the kingdom of God, you will not have any difficulty with possessions. You will not have any difficulty with pleasure because he will see to it that you have it according to the word of God. And then other people are pursuing people. They want to get around certain people. They feel like if they can know this person and know that person, it's going to give them an edge in life. My Bible says that cursed be the man that trusts in man and who maketh his flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. When you need people to govern, to fuel, to define, to energize your life, you are a shipwreck waiting to happen. It is only doing the will of God that brings true fulfillment. The A in Easter to me stands for this. Freedom from the accusations of the enemy. I like what T.D. Jake says, the devil is a liar. He's the author of lies. There is no truth in him. So the things that come to the city of your soul to belittle you, to remind you of your past, to tell you that you're least than the le- that you're less than the least, those are straight from the pits of hell. They are accusations of the enemy, and Jesus Christ came to set us free from those things. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the abuser, but ultimately he is the loser because there is a bottomless pit waiting for that turkey. And soon, whoo, glory to God. And soon and very soon, we're going to be out of here in a blaze of glory. And we're going up and he's going down. I'm just saying. You see, guilt and condemnation are in the past. When you come to a resurrected Savior, you and I are totally forgiven. We are in Christ, and Christ in us, uh, is in us, and we are new creations in Him. Now, here's what happens sometimes. When people face problems, when people face tests, and we will, as Christians, face difficulties, oftentimes the accuser of the brethren comes along and says, that's because of this, and that's because of that. How many of you know that God has a higher way of teaching us and taking us through the test than yielding to the accuser of the brethren? Somebody say amen. Amen. But a lot of people say, well, you know, God must be getting even with me. The question I have for you, does God really treat his children that way? The answer is an emphatic no. In Romans 8, 1, he says this. There is therefore now no condemnation, no guilt to those that are in Christ Jesus, 
who are walking after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes you free from the law of sin and death. I'm here to tell you your father is good. I like to call him my good, good father. And your good, good father and my good, good father does not hold grudges. He does not point to your past and rehearse it. Rather, he releases it. And I hear Isaiah saying this, I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins anymore. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. So don't allow anything in your past to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God be for you, tell me who can be against you. If love be on your side, what difference does it make that might come against you? The Bible says it is God that justifieth. And he said that there is neither height nor depth nor anything alive that shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Say it with me real strong. In all these things, I am more. I am more than more than. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. So when the devil comes along to torment you about your past, you let him know about his past. And let him know that his future don't look so bright either. Because right in his own backyard, our Savior, our champion, spoiled principalities and powers. And he made a show of them openly. And he triumphed over them in it. Hallelujah. The S in Easter to me stands for freedom from the slavery of sin. Freedom from the slavery of sin. Now, once you've been born again, you are going to be tempted to sin. And so here's the key. We must yield to the resurrected one who lives on the inside of us. He has the power to keep you from sinning. He has the power to keep you from going back into that addiction. He has the power to keep you from falling. He has the power to keep you from failing. The scripture says that we are to yield our members as instruments unto righteousness as those that have been raised from the dead. I want you to look at Romans and we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 14. And let me read it to you. Romans chapter 6 verse 4. Verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we'll live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. Would you agree that death has no more dominion over Jesus? And in verse 10, it says, for in that he died, he died unto sin. How many times? But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now here's a key, verse 11. Read it with me. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verses 12 through 14. Let's read together. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now read verse 14 emphatically. Ready? Read. Go ahead. 
Read it one more time and personalize it. For sin shall not have dominion over me, for I am not under the law, but I am under grace. Somebody says, yeah, well, everybody's got to sin sometime. You're just giving people a license to sin. Well, you'll sin without a license. But I'm talking about on a day-to-day basis, we have the choice either to yield to God or to yield to the Word. We have a choice to yield to the kingdom of darkness or to the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, He's able to keep you from falling. He's able to keep you, hallelujah, out of the dumps. He goes, glory to God, to the uttermost to save and to deliver from sin. Amen? Amen. And so we've been talking these last two weeks about having faith in the power of God. Everyone say, I have faith in the power of God. Oftentimes when we talk about having faith in the power of God, we kind of limit it to sickness and disease. And certainly you can activate faith in the power of God for healing for your body. Did you know that? But the power of God is not only for the healing of your body. The power of God is also to keep you out of sin. To keep you out of sin. Now many of you know my testimony and many of you know where I came from. Even though I was born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, there was still some sin that I was yielding to. But as I got more light in the Word, and as I allowed the Holy Spirit to transform me from the inside out, the things that I was yielding to became a thing of the past. But it was not through counseling. And I didn't get it through psychiatry or through a psychologist. I got it at the feet of Jesus. I got resurrection power on the inside of me. And he emboldened me to say no to things that I regularly yielded to in the world. And listen, even as a Christian, you can live a defeated life. I want to encourage you today to reconnect with Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let his power raise you up out of anything and everything that would hinder your life. Amen. Say with me, I have the power of God to live a sin-free life. You know, one thing that's really helped me in my life To stay out of the arena of sin. And somebody says, well, you mean you don't sin anymore? Yeah, I have sinned, but it's none of your business. Right? Is it really? Well, what did you do? It's none of your business. But I've discovered something that has really helped me is a scripture that Jesus said concerning his heavenly father. And this began to get preeminent in my heart and in my mind and I said it over and over again and now it has become a reality in my life and it's simply this statement Jesus said I always do those things that please my father I always do those things that please my father you meditate on that long enough you think about that long enough you will begin to act on it And it will become a way of life. So that when the temptation comes, and it will come, whatever the temptation may be, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will begin to speak. You know what? 
this doesn't please my father. And I always do those things that please my father. Therefore, I'm not yielding to sin. I'm yielding to righteousness. So what are you saying? You're yielding to righteousness. What I'm saying is this. I am yielding to the right standing of God that Jesus has placed in my heart. The Bible says that he made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When I'm yielding to righteousness, I'm yielding to a person. I'm yielding to Jesus. Say it with me. I always, at all times, do those things that please my Father. So the next time you're tempted to backbite or to criticize or to complain, does that please your Father? Then you can cut it off by the power of God. Say with me, the power of sin has been broken. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The T in Easter to me stands for freedom from terror and from the tyranny of bondage. I mean, another major terrorist attack in Brussels last week. A major terrorist attack in San Bernardino, Bernardino a few months ago. I was just down there in that neighborhood about a mile away from all those terrible shootings took place. And fear will tell you there's a terrorist attack coming to your neighborhood soon. Don't go out and walk. Don't go out to the mall. Don't go to the ball game. Avoid big crowds. Those are fear tactics of the master terrorist, Satan. And the Bible says that he did not give us a spirit of fear. But he gave us a spirit of power and a love and of a sound mind. And in no way at any time are we to be terrified by our adversary. You see, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But our confession is, you may not devour me. No evil's going to befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling, because he's given his angels charge over me. I believe that our faith in his protection needs to come up several notches in the United States of America. God does not want us walking through life as though we were walking on eggshells. He wants us to walk as bold as lions and be bright witnesses, tear-free, fear-free, glory to God, faith-filled for the kingdom of God. What do you say? In Philippians 1.28, I want you to look at that verse. Philippians 1.28 says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which to them is an evident token of perdition. In other words, when you go about your life free from terror and free from the fear and the tyranny of bondage, that becomes a very big sign to the devil. What do you mean a sign? It is a token or it is a sign that his day is coming soon. That his destruction is very near. When spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, faith-filled believers go about their life preaching the gospel and living the good life, the devil doesn't like it. But we don't care what the devil like. Amen? We're here to please our Heavenly Father. And so they are scared of spirit-filled Christians who go about their life in the fear-free zone. 
But notice, it is not only a sign of their doom, but it also is a sign of your salvation and your deliverance and that of God. You see, freedom from the tyranny of terror and freedom from the tyranny of bondage is something that you and I have the privilege of being involved in. In Romans 8.15, I want you to look at that verse. Romans 8.15 says this. Read it with me. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. What are we crying on the inside of us? Not devil, devil, but daddy, daddy. Oh, the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. Who cares what the devil's doing? Let's talk about what God's doing. Let's talk about what God's done. Let's talk about where we're going. Let's talk about who we are. Let's talk about the fear-free zone that you and I live in. Oh, thank you, Lord. And then the next one, the E in Easter, stands to me for freedom from eternal separation from God. How many of you know that the wages of sin is death? The wages of sin is eternal separation from God. But Jesus Christ came to secure your freedom from the fate of eternal separation from God. Somebody says, well, Pastor Mark, and you'll hear this, and you probably have heard it. I want to ask for a show of hands who have heard it. You'll hear this phrase. Well, I don't believe a loving God would send people to hell. How many of you have ever heard that before? Well, I want to tell you today that neither do I. Neither do I. No, I don't believe that a loving God would ever send anybody to hell. So he says, you're preaching false doctrine now. Well, let me explain it to you. Can I explain it to you? There was a six foot over 200 pound teacher in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who was a teacher in an inner city school. And the students feared getting her as a teacher because she had quite a reputation. A couple of gang members came into her classroom one day and she decked them both. She was not about to put up with any shenanigans or any trouble. She was confident on who she was. I also heard that when the young ones in the class would misbehave, she'd call up Mama right away. And this is the 60s. And Mama would show up. You could hear her pulling up in the parking lot. (laughs) Mama would show up and grab the son out of the classroom and whip him right out in the hallway. Now, I know that doesn't go over big today, but it worked back then. So everyone was absolutely, completely afraid of her. So on the first day of school, they were there and they were looking around and they were afraid. And she stood up and she said, you have probably heard two really, really uh, bad things about me. You've probably heard some two gossip-filled things about me. The first is this, um, that I have a reputation of being hard and kids don't want me and you probably also heard um, that I don't take any foolishness from anybody she says that is accurate (laughs) she says if you start it 
She said, I'll finish it. (laughs) And then she said, you've also heard that I've flunked more people you can name. And she says, that part is absolutely not true. She said, for if you flunk, you would have flunked yourself. Don't blame me. And then she went on to tell them, I will do everything in my power to see to it that you get a passing grade. She said, I will tutor you. I will be with you after school. I will even be with you on my lunch break to see to it that you get it. And I'll stay with you until you get it. And so if you flunk, don't you dare blame me. And God, through Christ, has done everything possible for you to be saved. Come on. He sent his only son to die on the cross. He's filled America with the gospel so richly. He's filled this country with Bibles. I mean, even when you go to a hotel room, there's a Bible in the drawer. There's so much gospel being preached in America. He's gone to great lengths to see to it. Come on, saints, that you would be saved. So if we don't make it, we must not blame him. For he never sends anyone the eternal damnation. People make the choice and they go them by their own choice. Now we're not here much to preach about hell, but I'm telling you what, there is a heaven to gain. And there is a hell to shun. And my good, good father tells me today that he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And perhaps you've gotten away from him. Perhaps your walk with him wasn't the same as it was a year ago or maybe even a month ago. Perhaps you've kind of let your Bible reading go and you've let your prayer time go. And maybe you've even gotten out of church for six months or even a year. And all of a sudden, the weights of this world and the cares of this life have seemed to weigh you down and to bring you down to where as a year or two ago, man, you were light and you were walking in the Spirit. I want you to know that our good, good father, just as he welcomed home the prodigal son with arms open, he's here today to enable you to reconnect with Jesus Christ. When you think about the prodigal son, the prodigal son had awaiting him from his father. He had a ring on his finger. He had shoes for his feet. And he had a robe awaiting him. And I'm telling you what, there's restoration, resurrection power in this place today. No one, but no one, has to be eternally separated from the goodness of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. And then lastly, the R stands for freedom from reservations and anxiety about the future. That's what Easter means to me. It means freedom from reservations and anxiety about the future. You don't have to look around. All you got to do is turn the television on. These are some pretty cray-cray days. Cray-cray. Crazy. There are things that are happening in the world 
in 2016, all you've got to do is open the paper. Sometimes just open your door. Whatever the issue is, whether it be disease, the economy, the political scene, the domestic scene, these are troubling times. And I believe that the answer is in Christ Jesus. I believe that if we get an awakening in this nation, it will literally change the fabric of our nation. I believe that when people fall in love with Jesus Christ, they'll fall in love with one another. I know I'm preaching pretty good right now. Let me say it again. I believe that people who fall in love with Jesus will fall in love with one another. I believe that if people will fall in love with the Word and with the Holy Spirit, the things of this world and the things that are so chaotic in this nation will come to a screeching halt. The world, as we know it, is falling apart. But you and I, we are not of this world. Look at your name and say, you're not of this world. We're not of this world. And not only that, we are upheld by the mighty word of his power. And I hear Jesus saying in John 16, verse 33, he said, in the world you're going to have tribulation. Pull that up in the amplified version of John 16, 33. Are you still here? It's 12, 16. Now, I have a 1.30 appointment at Scott, so we're not going to be here all day, I promise. But we want to be here long enough to get a word in you and to see people saved, to see people restored, to see people reconciled. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Now, notice this. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you might have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But, but, go hide in a cave. Stay indoors. Don't vote. Just... Look straight ahead. No. He says, but be what? Be of not just cheer, but be a good cheer. See, the world takes cheer from different things, but we take cheer from the kingdom. We take cheer from the Holy Ghost. He said, be a good cheer. And not only that, but take courage. Be courageous and be confident, be certain, be undaunted. Why, Jesus? For I have overcome the world and I have deprived it of power to harm you and I have conquered it for you. Let the word speak for itself. Whatever is born of God, whoever is born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Now, I may not know exactly what the future holds, but I know one thing for sure. I know who holds the future. 
And because he's holding the future, we can boldly say that our future is bright. In closing, I want you to look at John chapter 20. Jesus has been raised from the dead. The Jews were running to their boats. The woman stayed at the cross. The women followed Jesus, but the disciples were, were, quite frankly, they were freaked out. They were afraid. I mean, the one who they had followed for three and a half years is dead. And they're, they're afraid because of what the Jews and the Sanhedrin might do to them. And they're behind locked doors. But in the midst of their fear of the future. In the midst of their reservations comes Jesus. Woo, glory. In verse 19 it says, And the same day at evening, everyone say the same day. day. Being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, here comes Jesus. And he stood in the midst, and he said unto them, Peace be unto you. Verse 20. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad. They cheered up. Why? Because they saw the Lord. But that's not the end of this story. In verse 21, then said Jesus to them again. He wants them to get it. When the master says peace twice to you, it's shalom, shalom. That means don't sweat the future. Don't be afraid. I am he that rose from the dead. And I'm about to give you the Holy Ghost. He said, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Read verse 22 with me. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Everyone go. He breathed on them and said unto them, do what? Glory to God. Receive the Holy Ghost. And then, whoever sins you remit, they will be remitted. And whoever sins you retain, they are retained. All of a sudden, the landscape of their reservations of fear and anxiety completely changed because the risen Savior came through the walls and spoke peace and said, Receive. The Holy Ghost. Their anxiety, their fear was completely gone. And I'm telling you this morning that we also can face our future by having faith in His resurrection power. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to come to Jesus, the resurrected Lord. I want to encourage you to reconnect with Him if you've disconnected. I want to encourage you this morning to open up your heart and receive him. I want to encourage you to receive the special, wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. Everyone say the Holy Ghost. Ghost. Say it with me. Jesus is here.